If you've been keeping an eye on the movie release calendar, you might have noticed that there's a new version of Mean Girls in theaters right now. And speaking of calendars, somehow, I'm not sure how this happened, it's been 20 years since the OG Mean Girls came out. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, in the two decades since Mean Girls came out, are you kidding me? That would mean I'm how many... Oh, I don't have that many fingers to count how old I must be now. Ah, well, it's probably best not to overthink it. But here's what we do want to think about and talk about today. We know that some things never change much. We'll likely always have bullies of some kind among us. And popular girls who might just be mean girls too, deciding who's in and who's out at high school. Still, since the original Mean Girls came out all the way back in 2004, a lot has changed in our culture. When Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, Amanda Seyfried, and Tina Fey starred in that movie, one that would turn into a cultural touchstone, we didn't have a few things that we take for granted today. You know, Facebook, Instagram, iPhones, streaming, anything. So today, Emily Chow and Kristen Smith join me Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. And we're going to talk not only about these two films, the original and the new one, but we're going to talk about what's changed for girls today when it comes to peer pressure, popularity, and bullying. And in our second segment, Paul AC will join us to tell us about a new Marvel show on Disney Plus that's definitely a bit grittier than you might expect. It's called Echo, and it marks Marvel's first foray into TVMA territory with new content on Disney+. Well, before we dig into those conversations today, just a reminder that The Plugged In Show is a production of Focus on the Family, and we are a donor-supported ministry. If you enjoy our conversations each week, we'd love it if you would make a donation to help us bring you this show each week. And make sure you subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. And definitely tell your friends about us, too. Well, with no further ado, let's get after it. Here is my icebreaker for today. What one movie besides Mean Girls, sorry, Kristen, best captures your experience of being an adolescent and why? Go. Okay, so I I'm not really sure that there's a movie that captures adolescence. Like okay. there, yeah, perfectly. I agree with that. You know not I mean? just one. Yeah. All right, and we'll so, pick ten then. Okay. I had two. <laughs> Give me I, a top ten list. I had two that I thought of. Okay. We'll and allow one two. is Ten Things I Hate About You. Okay. There are some pieces of that. And yeah. the other is to all the boys I've loved before. Oh wow. Um hmm. that was another one that I watched and appreciated. Even as an adult, with some aspects of kind of, I was going to say, wait a second. I thought that came out like recently, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you were not a teen then. Yeah, (laughs) just reflecting. I was so confused. No, that makes more sense. Yeah, I think a lot of the kind of the same way that Mean Girls does a lot of stereotypes of. Um, there's always some kind of romance or multiple crushes. There are always like more popular people and those that are less popular. Some sort of rivalry happening, and then you know, sports teams. Okay. So so we have everything covered. Yeah. Emily, do you even have an answer after well, Kristen has covered sorry. all the bases? <laughs> no, um, I agree with her about 10 Things I Hate About You. That was definitely, um, it was something that I remember seeing when I was actually in high school and having an impact on me, even though it came out, I think, like 10 years before that. Yeah. But um, 
There was that. There was The Breakfast Club. There was, I mean, there were so many different movies um, that I remember seeing that each one had like a slightly different impact on me. But uh, the answer I was going to give you today was actually not a movie. It was a TV series, uh, Gilmore Girls. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm so glad you said that because when, when you asked movie... I watched more TV than movies okay, as a well, teenager. Okay, well, we can flex so that... the question. <laughs> no, I... It's like herding cats, trying to get you guys to give me a straight answer. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's all good. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no, but um, Gilmore Girls was definitely, I think... I remember I started watching that when I was in middle school, mm-hmm. and I just continued watching it all through high school. Um, until it finished. Uh, I don't remember exactly when it finished, but that was the one that I remember because I actually watched that with my older sister who had, she was a very heavy influence on my music and movie choices growing up. So, um, but that was one that we both watched that we loved and kind of bonded over. Um, And so, yeah, that's the one I remember. Okay. Okay. Well, I am going to go with the Karate Kid. I thought you were going to say Star Wars. I really did, too. Star Wars, a poignant tale of adolescence and lightsabers. Yes, you're right. Uh, You know, Carrie Fisher was only 19 when they filmed Star Wars. That's your Star Wars fun fact. So she was a teenager. Um, But I digress. So I'm picking Karate Kid because Daniel LaRusso um, is a character that I think is kind of the character that so many of us as teens could relate to. He's moved across the country. You know, he's an outsider. Mm -hmm. He falls in love with the popular girl. There's a bully. Mm -hmm. And those are the themes, right? I mean, it gets back to what you said. It's, it's love, romance, bullying, and sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or some lack thereof, yeah. right? Usually at least one of those things is somehow... Somewhere in there. It's somehow missing. And that creates the conflict, right, that yeah. teens connect with. And, you know, John Hughes was kind of the patron saint of teen movie makers in oh, the yeah. 80s. And, mm-hmm. man, a lot of his stuff you watch now and it's super cringy. Like, yeah. 16 Candles is just, it's so hard to watch. (laughs) But I saw Breakfast Club again fairly recently, and Breakfast Club holds up better, and it might be the best movie in terms of defining the different cliques, or we might even say tribes, you know, of different kinds of archetypes of Um, of characters. I think you're forgetting about another cultural touch point. Tell me. High School Musical. Oh yes, High School <laughs> it's Musical. It's literally a dance number where they're describing that is really all fair. their clicks there in you high go. school. <laughs> well, I, had to, it, I had to bring a more relevant, like more right, time relevant right, more, uh, reference. So now I'm irrelevant. But okay, we're just gonna keep on <laughs> I'm moving, just which is why I'm talking to you guys today because you are going to bring the relevance on our conversation about Mean Girls old and new today. And I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation for lots of reasons. I think um, I know that this is a movie, Kristen, that the first one back in 2004, it's one of your favorites. And, and so I'm going to give that disclaimer, but yeah. I think because it's yeah, your favorite, here. you're going to be able to speak to it um, with a, a level of precision that a non-fan might not have. So here's what Hopefully. I want to do. <laughs> I want to talk about both of these movies. Yeah. And then I want to talk about what's changed in and maybe what hasn't changed as far as girls growing up today. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Kristen, yeah. the OG Mean Girls. Why was it such 
a cultural phenomenon and why did so many people connect so personally with it, including so, you? Yeah. <laughs> I including did. us yeah sorry. Too. Like, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm right there with her yeah. no it's fine we're just I don't talk about it as much because you know this is plugged in but right. it's definitely it's quotable there. guys it's quotable it's so quotable yeah. which is probably the best part but anyway it's so, so fetch <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's about uh, Katie Heron and her parents. They were in Africa doing research, and then they come back to the States. And so this 16-year-old girl steps into an American high school, and she is bombarded by, like, real Culture. life. Culture. And who is she played by? Um, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan, okay. Yeah, and so she comes in, and she meets these two friends, Janice, Ian, and Damien, in high school. And they're kind of, like, outcasts a little bit. And like more other weirdos, at least according to the popular girls. But then there is a trio of popular girls called the Plastics. And so it is Regina George, um, Gretchen Wieners. Gretchen Wieners and Karen Smith. And so it's these three girls that kind of define the culture of high school. Okay. And if you get invited to sit with them, it's a big deal. Well, Katie doesn't want really anything to do with that, um, but she does end up getting invited, and she sits with them and slowly gets sucked into their world. Um, um, all because... Um Yes, she does this because uh, Janice and Damien, yeah. like they're like, no, go do this, like let so that we can gossip about them later. Yes, it's supposed to be like a like a joke. So she's a plant. Yes, yes. <laughs> but then she gets she, as Kristen said, she gets sucked into the world, yes. and it turns and yeah, it just yeah, no, you're right, it, it gets really bad. And so like the and ultimate, then does she have a realization of what an awful it, person she's become, yes, and she, she doesn't does. want to be that person because the Mean Girls have um, this thing called the Burn Book, and it's like the ultimate mean where you choose somebody you cut their picture out put it in the book and then you write something terrible about them well the burn book goes throughout the whole high school and then she kind of gets hit with the realization that one she's really like straight far away from who she was or who she who her family is her values and then just who she wants to be and then it kind of goes from there okay emily um, okay, well, in terms of, you know, the new Mean Girls, it's the same story, you know, the, but the first thing... So it's a reboot or a remake? It is a remake because what happened was after the movie came out, they turned it into a Broadway musical. Okay. Um, and then, so this is a blend of the two. It is the music from the Broadway musical, um, but it's a movie, you know? Yeah. So um, they brought back a lot of the same actors. Uh, Tina Fey plays the same the character, Mrs. Norberry. And then um, Tim Meadows plays the principal oh. again. <laughs> um, and Lindsay Lohan actually makes a cameo. She does? <laughs> she does. And wow. it's, a, it's actually a pretty decent cameo. I was like, okay, okay, I, I can dig it, you know? <laughs> um so, yeah, basically in this one, it's the exact same story, like I said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they make a couple of references to the previous movie as like a, you know, if you know, you know. An like, Easter like, egg almost. Yeah, it's like a little joke where it's like, if you did see the original, you'll definitely catch the reference. And you'll be like, <laughs> got it. I see what you, you know? did there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the most part, they treated it as it's like, no, this is its own story. Um, but so, yeah, I think that... In terms of the differences between the two f films, the first one was, like, heavily critiqued because um, there's a lot of sexuality. A lot, yes. Like, like, to the point where you're sitting there and you're questioning, like, there were things that they had to, that I remember reading about that they cut from the original because it was almost rated R. Because okay. it was, like, so 
crass in some yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is a little bit more PG-13, but it is heavily PG-13. Like, sure. there's no, like, make no doubt, this is not a movie that you want to show anybody under the age of 13, in my opinion. And, and honestly, like, maybe younger middle school type age girls probably don't need to be seeing this either. Like if you decide that you want your kids to see this movie, um, definitely make sure they're on the older or at least the more mature side because yeah, this one is also very heavy on the sexuality. Um, in some ways it's toned down in some ways it's amped up. And one of the big ways it's amped up is the LGBT content, like heavily amped up. Um, in the original Janice is, um, like there's a rumor that she's gay, mm-hmm. but it's not true. In the end, she ends up dating a guy. In this one, it's not a rumor. She is gay, and um, that's not like a main point in everything. The, you know, the fact that it's true or anything is just something that you'll notice is different from the original. But um, there are a lot more uh, LGBT characters throughout the film that I noticed, and. Um, so yeah, like like I said, in some ways it's way amped up. In other ways, it's toned down. Um, it's not better or worse, though. Okay. Hmm. And when we talk about the sexual content in these movies, are we mostly talking about girls talking about sexual things? Is it stuff that we actually see encounters or some of everything? A little bit of both. I mean, in the original, there was like a heavy makeout scene. I mean, Regina and Aaron Samuels make out I mean they're like on a bed making out and her mom comes in it's like can I get you anything some snacks you know and it's like it's like whoa what your daughter is doing this and you're asking if she wants snacks like it's kind of intense and there are a couple of other things like there's a there's a teacher in the original who's having an affair with two of his students um I'm yeah. trying to remember what else. It's kind of intense, the physical sexuality in the first one. Um, not to mention the outfits. Yeah. Uh, like, there's a scene where, you know, um, they cut holes in Regina's shirt um, so her in a strategic yeah. location. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then every girl in school cuts her shirt the same way because they all want to be like Regina. And um, in this one, they actually cut that out. Like, that's not in there. Um, the thing that they do in this one is uh, they spray her with sprinklers so that her makeup runs down her face. And so everybody just copies the makeup look. Okay. And so that was like... It was like, okay, that that is slightly better. Like, we're not putting it... There's less objectification of women in this one. That's the best way to put it. Okay. But that said, like, there's another scene in the new one where one of the girls, one of the mean girls, you can see her bra, and Regina looks at her and she's like, you can see it. And she's like, yeah, that's on purpose. I'm going for a look. Okay. You know, like, so it's like, that's not great. That's not something you want your teenage daughters to mimic. And... A lot of the outfits in this one, again, just like the original, it's just like, if I had a teenage daughter who dressed like that, like, I would not have been allowed to leave the house looking like these girls did in the original or the new one. So, yeah, I was definitely like, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're you're like 16 years old. You're a baby. You do not need to be dressing like this, you know? Yeah, I think there was a lot. There was definitely a lot of that. I think the... Not just the physical sexuality that you see, but a lot of the innuendo as well. It's kind of like it just permeates. And so just to be clear, like they amp this up to the level of ridiculousness intentionally. It's a satire. It is satire. And it is supposed to be satire. Yeah. Um, However, 
these things shift, right? And they kind of bleed into culture. Right. And then now everything that we see on TV mostly praises teenage sexuality. Right. It praises having sex before marriage and testing and the waters. And it's just a given. And it's just a given. And there's yeah. no stopping or questioning or anything. And in the same, in the, in the I don't know how it was in the, the remake, but in the original, Katie Heron's parents finally kind of step in. But parents in general kind of take this like backseat. Can I get you some snacks? Yeah. Teenage knows best. <laughs> teenagers know best. And we're just going to kind of chill out here while, you know, you do your thing. You know, her parents like step in, but like not really. not in a super <laughs> meaningful way. Yeah, so yeah, it's true. one thing that's different in this one is that um, it's just Katie and her mom in this one. And her mom is played by Jenna Fisher from The Office. And her mom has a more meaningful role um, where like when Katie finally has her realization that she is like being a mean girl when her mom steps in and like you know uh disciplines her you know she actually like you see that she actually needs her mom like she actually asks her mom like she's laying in bed and she's like mom can you just come sit with me until i fall asleep like it's a really sweet moment because it's like as a teenage girl like when you're going through all of this stuff of high school drama and stuff you think in your head my parents don't know what's going on high school was different but really and truly like being able to look at your mom and say, can you just sit with me for a minute? It's like you don't even realize that high school hasn't really changed that much in the last 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And the stuff that your mom dealt with, mean girls especially, it's like your mom dealt with mean girls. She can help you through, you know, some of the things, mean girls that you might be experiencing today. It's different, but not really. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's a great segue into my next question. The bigger conversation about peer pressure, about bullying, about body image, these are not new topics. As you no. said, high school's high school. Yeah. And yet I do think social media especially yeah. um, has probably changed the game. And so my question is, what's the same in terms of those issues and girls growing up today? And what has changed? You know, for those of us who are parents and we think back to our high school times, what do we need to know that maybe isn't on our radar? Okay. So one of the things that they did in this movie that I thought they did very well was they recognized the fact that it's not 2004 anymore. It's 2024. And so one of the so what do we have now that they didn't have then? Cell phones. Everybody has a cell phone. So one of the things they did is, you know, anytime somebody gets embarrassed, there are 30 people with their phones out recording it and taking pictures and they are posting about it online. And there's, you know, they have like these little montage of like reels and influencers and stuff on social media. And then another thing they do is. So would you say the film comments on that? I mean, is yeah. it is it exaggerating it for effect? No, it's well, probably a little bit, but it is trying to point out that like, hey, you know, it's not just about what people are saying at school. It's what they're saying online, okay. you know, and people who don't even go to your school are sitting there talking about it. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing that they did is like, you know, with the burn book that Kristen mentioned earlier. So the burn book still exists and they it's probably online of, now. Well, no, no, no. One of the girls makes a comment. Oh, yeah. We made this the week that they took away our phones. Like, <laughs> oh, OK, that's uh, how the burn. That's book how came they shoehorned into it in. Yeah, because they were like, who would do this and nowadays? And that's how they yeah, that's how they shoehorned it in. But um, so when the burn book gets revealed in the original, Regina photocopies every page and like throws it up in the hallway. Yeah. And then everybody finds it when they come out of class. In this one, she goes to school early and she just drops it on the floor and just leaves it there for somebody to find and then sure enough somebody finds it and they start taking pictures they start posting it and so soon 
everything has been posted online from the book, burn book because they took pictures of it. And I was just like, yeah, that's exactly how it would happen nowadays. This makes sense. So yeah. I think that's one of the ways that that everything has changed is it's no longer just the rumor mill at school. It's everything that's happening online. And like and like I said, people who don't even go to your school can know about something embarrassing that happened to you instantly. Mm. I wonder, too, because I, I wondered about. So one of the things that when I was growing up and as Mean Girls came out, being skinny super tiny that was really in and now I've seen kind of culturally shift it's it's more attractive to be curvy or people are okay with it because of the Kardashians and so this is like the new wave whereas before it was like Christina Aguilera uh, eating disorder level skinny right right and so I was wondering because in the original they have this scene where they're calculating calories in their head about what they are and aren't going to eat and if they can have cheese fries which they end up getting cheese fries because they don't want to do the math of what something else was but how is that represented in this film so culture it's very interesting because if you just look at the representation of the girls in the film it's a lot more body positive like regina i'm I love Rachel McAdams. This is not a dig at her at all, but she is a very stereotypical Hollywood thin. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Renee Rapp, who plays Regina in this movie, is not. She would, looked much more normal. She had a much more uh, average figure for a woman. So, um, so there's already a visual difference just yeah. looking at it. Yeah. But the fat stuff is still there, the fat shaming stuff. Um, Regina wants to lose three pounds. They give her the calteen bars to make, which cause her to gain weight. But they tell her it's a diet bar that will make her lose weight, you mm-hmm. know. And the cheese fry thing is in there. Yeah. And, um, and basically... It's But one thing that they did differently that I really liked is they actually spoke into the insecurity that Regina has That's about cool. her body. Yeah, yeah. They made her a human being much more so in this movie in that, you know, there's a scene where she's literally on a treadmill in her house in a pitch black room just running. And her mom comes in and she's like, you're still on the treadmill, honey? Like, this girl has been there for hours probably, like, because she mm. thinks she's fat and she's just so insecure. And, you know, her mom tries to comfort her but um if you've seen the original regina's mom's kind of ridiculous she's kind of ridiculous in this one too she's not a good mom she's not not the kind of mom that you want (laughs) um you know and so her way of comforting is not comforting at all but um but really you see just like how vulnerable regina is and you know she does have insecurities and stuff that's part of the reason why she's so mean is she's like trying to cover up for her insecurities and you see that a lot more in this film and I like that they did that. They also weren't quite as mean in this film. Some of the things that they did in the original film that, like, you're just like, oh, my goodness. Like, who would do that, mm-hmm. you know? In this film, they cut a lot of that out because it was like, that's over the top. And um, let's tone it down to, like, what people would actually do. So it felt more realistic, the meanness in this one. Well, and Tina Fey has commented, so she went to Upper Darby High School, which is on the main line in Philadelphia. I went to college out there. And when I learned that that's where she went to high school, like that was her world, it made more sense. It is a very rich area. Um, And so just kind of seeing that and learning and like understanding the culture, it made, I mean, I mean, obviously people across the world can relate to this movie, but it did make a lot of sense. Um, And then, of course, I think one of the reasons it's so popular still or like it resonated with so many people is because there are girls are mean 
and guys are mean too, and they represent that in right. the movie. But the guys just have a fight and get over with they, it and they move have, on. They yes. actually no, there's a, literally a song about that. How guys guys can sit there and fight about it, but girls ha- there are societal expectations on girls where it's like you have to behave a certain way, and if you don't behave that way, then like you're shunned by society. There's a whole song about it, so it's kind of funny that you said that. Yeah. I'm a plant. It is true. It is true. They can punch each other and move on, right? And girls just don't handle it that way. And so I think getting to be someone who, any young girl that watched that, that walked through high school, that saw, okay, there is a standard. And if I don't fit into this standard that someone made up, I'm automatically an outcast. But the outcast isn't just an outcast. The outcast, they're like 12 different groups of outcasts. And let me show you the groups that they're in because they do that in the original. Yeah. And this is where s- these people sit. And this is where these people sit and how they talk and how they act. And you just blend into one of these groups. Hopefully. Yes. Because if you don't, then it's like you're going to feel like you're alone in high school. Yes. But, you know? And I, I don't know. I, I guess you could speak to the end of this. In the original, Katie does come to a realization that like this was all kind of ridiculous and the ending is very unbelievable based on the entire movie like now they're all just cool and they've matured somehow over right. one Happily year ever after me yeah, after regina got hit by a bus like you know everyone's just kind of <laughs> chill um but i did like that she she kind of came back to her roots came back to how she was raised and i'm not necessarily sure that resonated because it didn't feel real how was it in the remake um Kind of similarly, I will say this, they didn't have like, in the original, they had like this end scene montage where they show where everybody is now and everybody's all happy and stuff. They didn't have that. In this one, it ends at the spring fling after she breaks the crown and gives the pieces to everybody. And that's kind of where it ended at, um, you know. That makes more sense. So, like, you know, they all get along at the spring fling because they've all gone collectively through this experience where, you know, they watched a classmate get hit by a bus, you know. And they realized that, (laughs) wow, we've all kind of been jerks to each other this year. No. For 15 seconds. Yeah. Oh, that's they, okay. they mentioned that. They, they said that in this one. They were like, for 15 seconds, she was dead, but then she was resuscitated. <laughs> um, uh, I just outed myself as not having seen either yes, of these movies, yes. by the way. Indeed. <laughs> no, but... Uh, so, yeah, in this one, they didn't have, like, the after yeah. effect of everything. They just kind of were like okay, everybody's going to get along for this dance, but who knows? After that dance, who knows if people got along or not? You know, it didn't show us that. So that felt a little more realistic because I do think that people can get along for like a single evening and stuff. Um, But the main thing that they talked about in this one is like, Everybody has their own insecurities. Everybody has their own self-doubts. Everybody has their own passions and desires and stuff. Everybody wants to coexist in high school. Let them. Don't make it hard for other people to just live their lives. Like, it's, you know, one of um, Regina's mom at one point is like, these are the best years of your lives. Seriously, it doesn't get better. But she's, but it's, <laughs> she says it so ridiculously that you're like, you automatically know that that is very tongue in cheek. You know mm-hmm. that that is mm-hmm. like, hey, just a reminder, this is not it. Like, yeah. your life is going to go on and everything's going to change. Like, don't put so much pressure on high school. And there's another line in the film uh, where, you know, it feels like the end of the world when bad stuff happens in high school but it's not you know and so like i said there's things that were better in this one things that were worse it's the overall film is not better or worse because it all kind of balances in my opinion to be about the same as what the original was i do think the uh the main message of the film is still you know very positive very like hey 
don't be a mean girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah. Well, I want to just, I have a lot of comments on the things you just said, and um, I'll I'll just share one or two of them. Um, I think we have this idea that culture is just getting worse and worse and worse. And I think this is a really interesting case study in that we see different emphases, but maybe we see more sensitivity in the in the remake. We see maybe less meanness. I mean, it sounds like there are some some cultural shifts yes. yeah. that have happened. And I think anytime we're talking about movies, um, we need to understand that everything is a product of the moment, sure. right? It's yeah. a reflection of where culture is at today. And the other interesting thing I would observe is on one hand, we have rightly pointed out from the plugged in perspective, both of these movies have a ton of content issues. Yeah. And a lot. just from a pure entertainment perspective, it's probably a no go. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder if you have teen girls who are interested in seeing this movie. They and maybe, are going to be interested. And maybe older teen girls, if you have a relationship with your daughter, could these one or both of these movies be a conversation starter or is there a better way to start that conversation without seeing this movie? Because you guys have had an incredibly animated discussion, you know, with us here this morning and that's interesting to me. So even as there's all this content, it seems like they're putting their finger on some sort of universal aspects of growing up. And so I just, I want to take just a minute to, to parse that. I think that if you're going to approach this either of these films with your teenager, you have to speak to them on what they're going to pull from the film. So you need to speak to them about the messages of the film, the positive messages, and maybe some of the, like, the negative messages that, you know... You know, in this one, uh, the first song of this film is like, this is a cautionary tale. Right. You know, so you can talk about those things and... You almost have to focus more on the messages that the film is sending more so than the content issues, because you need to to some level or degree, you need to um, give your teen credit that they can recognize what the content issues are. You know, the sexuality, especially. I think that. um, So, yeah, because if you just focus on that one aspect, like the negative aspects and stuff, you're not going to be able to get to their level in terms of the messages that they're being sent because this is a film that even if you and your team decide that this is not for your family like there's going to be their friends and yeah, their they're peers gonna the they're going to go see it yep. they need to be able to understand what this is about with you know even if they don't go to see it so i think it's good to talk about the messages and figure out like where do you land on these issues like where how does this sort of thing make you feel? How do you handle mean girls? Are you a mean girl? You yeah. know, like what's what are you dealing with right now? Because that's what the film at its core is all about. And that's what teenagers are going to pull from this. That's what I pulled from it. And I'm sure that's what Kristen pulled from it. Like, you know, we talked about the quotability. It's also, you know, there are things in the movie where it's like, yes, it's very quotable. But those are things that's like nothing compared to mm-hmm how it like it's quotable because we were so impacted by the message that we remembered the funny parts you know yeah I would agree to that and as far as like should your teen watch this it kind of reminds me I was thinking of the question like 
did the prodigal son have to be as much of a prodigal to feel God's grace? Right. right? Like what's what's the oh, level that's a of great, that's a great yeah. question. What's the level of how much of a prodigal do I have to be? And so to feel the grace of God. And so in this instance, does your child have to watch it to understand these themes? Absolutely not. Right. And like no. And so there are like as Emily and I were talking, as a teenager watching this, there are actual instances of the sexuality that I kind of forgot. And now we're starting to talk about this. I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, that did happen. Oh, I remember when I heard it mm-hmm. thinking that's really inappropriate and really out of bounds. And my parents felt the same way, too. And so um, and it was never a movie that I watched in front of my parents, to be right. clear, because it would have gotten <laughs> shut off. Um, and so I think you can have these conversations 100 percent without it. You don't need it um, if you choose to. Right. If it's something that you think that your teen or your teen watches it and you're going to draw on some experiences and maybe have conversations. Absolutely. You can connect on many points. And I think that you should use it as a basis to talk about right and wrong. And the differences, the cultural differences of how things have changed. Um, I think that's important. But I I really liked, at the beginning of the film, I was homeschooled until seventh grade. And I stepped into middle school. Feeling like Katie? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Like, I, I, I mean, I remember getting on the bus and people asking me wildly inappropriate sexual questions in the seventh grade. And I'm like, what's happening? Yep. <laughs> um, and that's how she felt in the movie, right? She was, she just felt like a weirdo. And they said they're like homeschool jungle freak. And they had all these words for her <laughs> that she was just this weirdo. And so in a way, I did kind of relate to that because I stepped into like the world. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of content here. Yeah. And, and it does not need to be watched. Right. Um, but there are a lot of. There are a lot of conversation points that, yes, I do think that you can pull from it. Well, and I think those are great answers to my question. And and I'm not even advocating that you should see it. Yeah. But I'm also aware sure. with things like this that exist in the pop culture, there are conversations that you can have. And yeah. it might even be a catalyst for conversation about bullying and identity and and really self-image and body image, even if you, you don't see the movie. And I think you're right to point out, Kristen, that... You don't have to go see a movie that has a ton of content to have those important conversations. Well, and because it's satire, I think it does something that um, The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles doesn't. It it allows you to view this from an outside perspective and to see the ridiculousness of it. And I almost feel like that lends to more conversation. And it's not just like, oh, of course it's supposed to be this way. Look at all these 80s movies. That's what everyone was doing. In this sense, it is blown up out of proportion intentionally. And you're able to converse about it differently, if that makes any sense. It does. And I think that's a good place to get the landing gear down on our conversation today. This has been a great talk. I knew that it would be. So um, I hope as you've listened today, maybe there are some some concrete you know, handholds for your relationships with your kids. I know just listening to you guys, I have a 13 and a 15-year-old daughter. So it's not an academic consideration for me. I yeah. want to know how to connect with them yeah. on these issues that they're experiencing. And here we have a story that has pop cultural resonance. It has some things it gets right. It has maybe more things it gets wrong, um, but it, it could be a catalyst for conversation. And, and I hope that we've helped with that today. And it's a conversation, I think, to realize that your teens, although high school does end and this isn't for forever, they very much feel all of it now. Yeah. And I remember being a teenager and all of what was happening in the moment felt like that was all that was ever going to happen. Yeah. You know, to not dismiss it, to really take it into consideration. Yeah, that's great. And I wonder if that's even an ongoing conversation to circle back to yeah. is what does it look like to create 
that kind of space in our homes and in our relationships. But hopefully some of the things that we have talked about today have given some concrete examples of what that might look like. Thanks, everyone. Well, in our second segment today, Paul AC is here to tell us about Echo. Hey, Paul. Hey, how's it going? It is good. It is good. That was a nice conversation, by the way. I really enjoyed listening to that conversation. I thought it was, too. And and I mean, bullying, it's just... Bullying, it never goes away. It never goes away, even if, you know, social media makes it different than it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. It's always the same and it's always different. I mean, it was such a good conversation. We're talking about that. Instead of instead what, of echo, what I've asked you to talk about instead so, of echo, echo. I mean, it's one of those words that, other than evoking the idea of a echo, repeat, echo, 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 echo. it doesn't tell me much. If I were the new show Echo <laughs> on Disney Plus slash Hulu, what would I be? What do we need to know about it? So, if you are Echo, you would be <laughs> a female deaf superhero villain. Okay, person. So, essentially, Echo is from the Marvel. Cinematic Universe and yep. from the Marvel Comics before that. She has been a longtime associate of Daredevil, probably most yep. prominently in the comic books. Uh, she was introduced to the MCU in Hawkeye, which came out a couple of years ago. On and Disney Plus. On Disney Plus, and she was sort of Wilson Fisk's, who's Kingpin's uh, right-hand person. You have so much pain in you. You... So much rage that you can't contain it. Uh, she and is. He's a, like a, a. He is a very bad he's dude. A bad, bad. He dude. is mean. He is big. He is bald. He's like. I'm right here, Paul. Bob Hoos. No. <laughs> Where are you going with anyway, this, Paul? Anyway, <laughs> she she has been sort of an adopted daughter to Wilson Fisk for a good long while, right? She learns during the course of Hawkeye that actually Wilson Fisk <laughs> killed her father, essentially. Her, her biological her father. father. Her biological father. Because uh, Fisk has been kind of an adoptive father, Exactly, right? exactly. So Maya learned almost everything that she knows from Wilson Fisk. Her name's Maya Lopez. That's her yes, name, right? yes. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, so essentially, at the end of Hawkeye, we see that Maya, alias Echo, uh, shoots Wilson Fisk in the face. Oh. Yeah. Pretty shocking. But he's right? a bi- he's a big bad, so he's probably not gone. That Am is I exactly wrong? right. So as Echo opens, we soon learn that Wilson Fisk is not dead. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Uh, Maya Lopez is not a good guy yet. She is essentially trying to become the new. Wilson Fisk. She so she wants to, to become... be a crime lord herself. Exactly. A queen pin, if a you will. A queen pin. Yes. I love yes. I see what she did there. Yeah, yeah. So clever. So uh, it, it, she's gone back to Oklahoma, uh, which is where she was raised for, for her childhood years. She doesn't have very great relationships with a lot of her family members there, especially her grandmother. But it turns out she does with her ancestors, right? But she does with her <laughs> ancestors. So essentially, just to wrap this whole thing, up. Uh, She is in Oklahoma trying to start her new crime syndicate. Uh, Wilson Fisk's organization is trying to be taken down by her, but the organization is pushing back quite a bit. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, her ancestors are giving her a little boost every once in a while in critical situations. Uh, Her hands start glowing and all of a sudden this formidable fighter becomes ever so much more formidable. Wow. 
I feel like you could be writing marketing copy for the show with that last <laughs> little bit you gave us. So we've seen a lot of Marvel shows come and go. Some of them have been crowd pleasers. Some of them have come and gone and left, you know, nary a ripple of impact on the on the water. Like I had forgotten Hawkeye existed. Which was Sorry. a pretty all right show. Sorry. Hawkeye. I didn't mind that. I, I apologize. Secret but Invasion is another story. We're kind of in a different territory with this show. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Echo really, instead of being truly a spiritual add-on to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it feels a lot more of a continuation of the old Netflix Marvel shows. Which was a TVMA show, correct? Exactly, exactly. Daredevil was a TVMA show. You have Iron Fist TVMA show. You have these elements that- Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones. These were all- harsher versions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They were bloody. They had more swearing. Uh, they had sensual content that was uh, somewhat problematic. So uh, this is meant to be sort of a continuation of this. The interesting thing about it is that, of course, instead of being on Netflix, it is on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it is part of Hulu. You know, Disney+, Plus and Hulu, as we've talked about in a couple right. of podcasts. They've now merged. They've now merged. So this is really Disney+, Plus's first real, real foray into true TVMA mature content. And they, they know that. I mean, it, Correct. this is... A, and they're making a big deal. This is a feature, not a bug. That is exactly right. When you look at the advertisements, they are saying, this is bloody, this is gory, this is for mature audiences only in every single episode. It has viewer discretion advised on it. And it feels like more of a badge of honor than a true warning. They are pushing toward this environment. Well, and they actually have sort of a new subgenre that they're calling it Marvel Spotlight. So right. if you see Marvel Spotlight on something, that's them trying to say, we're spotlighting something that is not like the other stuff that you've seen thus far on Disney Plus. Is it fair to, I think to that kind that of frame is, it that way? That is absolutely so, fair to say. So how TVMA does it get, at least in what we've seen so far? We haven't seen the whole series, but you've seen the first three episodes. I think. That is correct. It is sort of in between, I would say, okay. what you would call a traditional uh, Disney Plus Marvel show, something like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and a Daredevil. It is bloodier. It is definitely gorier. You definitely have, it feels grittier. Yeah, but it's not to that daredevil level of of quantity. Where sometimes when I watch Daredevil, when I was reviewing it, you go, "Oh, what oh, did wow. I just see?" It yeah. doesn't quite get to that level. But yeah, this is for mature audiences, um, and for people, for families that are really involved with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's a bummer because yeah. as they push into these, this is not an automatic. Hey, let's watch this. Exactly. It's not family. Exactly. Fan. And because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is so tightly entwined together, sometimes if you miss one of these installments, right. you're missing out. You're, you're truly, like, oh, I don't get that. Exactly. Because you missed something. You're missing some backstory. And that is, I think that that's problematic on a whole different sort of level. Yeah. And let's talk about another worldview issue, which we hinted at, which is the ancestor stuff. Just talk for a moment about some of the spiritual content here. Cause I think I was actually surprised even knowing a little bit about right. Echo's character, 
how much they seem to be making of that. Well, it, it is interesting. One of the things about the Netflix Marvel shows is that they were meant to be rooted in the real world. They didn't have as much high-flying magic, superhero, natural stuff, right? There's no Doctor Strange multiverse here. That is exactly right. But with Which Maya, might be a good thing, but that's another conversation <laughs> for another time. With Echo, you see it pushing a little bit toward that direction. Right. You essentially what she has every every episode that I saw has this extended flashback to one of Maya's ancestors where they're doing something spectacular within the realm, the, the historical period that they're at. They're winning a big ball game that's very important. They're shooting bad guys in the Old West. You have these elements uh, where essentially all of the ancestors that came before sort of filter in and make these characters' hands glow, and they're able to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to do. And there's some Native American spirituality mixed in, it's, too, well, as well. It, and it's rooted in Native American spirituality. Okay. You have, uh, it actually begins with the creation myth of the Choctaw people. Okay. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correct. I think you are. But yeah, it, it's the creation myth of the Choctaw people where they uh, came out of a mound in the earth and became human beings. So we see that from the very, very, very beginning of the story. Which is interesting for a story that's, you know, supposed to be more realistic and sort of life on the street true crime because that's the whole right. daredevil world that we saw on netflix was much more this could almost be reality and right. yet there's still this you know very supernatural almost element to it and that i think makes the story weaker just pushing aside sort of our concerns with some of the spirituality that we yep. would see if you're just watching for a story because it takes it out of that rooted element uh it takes it somewhere where i don't think it really is native in being, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. You know, it's not, it is meant to be a more grounded story and they push it into a different realm and I think it weakens the story as a whole. Okay. Well, it seems like maybe more so than some of the Marvel stuff we've seen recently, there's a lot to think about here yeah. before you decide to stream this one. And as always, you can check out Paul's full review at PluggedIn.com. Thanks, Paul. You bet. Well, now it's time for a segment of our show we call Pop Culture Connection, wherein our producer Ashley joins us. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. And she has awesome questions prepared. Yes. To which we have to give as many answers as possible in 30 oh-so-short seconds. Oh, man. Ashley, take it away. All right. Emily, it's been a while since we've had you. It has so, been, hasn't it? I've got you up first. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. And this is one of my favorite questions. You're trapped in an interdimensional escape room in an alternate universe. Okay. You have one hour to solve the mystery <laughs> of how to escape and how to get back to your own dimension. Which fictional characters do you choose to help you and why? Oh, that's a great question. Okay, we're going to go with Sherlock Holmes because he's oh. going to notice all the random You're little things brilliant. that shouldn't be there. Uh, I'm going to choose Wesley Crusher from Star Trek because he's a boy genius and he'll be able to solve any math equation that pops up. Um, oh gosh, who do I want? I want uh, Catherine Jayway also from Star Trek Universe uh, just because I love her and she's brilliant and she's very cool under pressure. Um, who else do I want? I want... Oh, this is so hard. I can't think, and I'm trying to blink. Oh, wow. that was, that so was a high-quality answer. That was a really high-quality Emily. I'm very impressed. Yes. yes. I got eight points on that one. Yeah. yeah. Good job. You crushed it. <laughs> Yay. All right, Kristen. Uh, you're I... stranded on a desert island with a streaming service and TV that gives you only one TV show to watch for the rest of your days. 
What do you pick and why? <laughs> Guys, I don't know if I should say this is a plugged. I would probably choose Friends. <laughs> I, mean, I knew you were going to say that. Like, Friends is so funny. It's so comforting because I've seen it way too many times. It's hysterical. Um, there are like really lovable characters. Um, each episode is something totally random and different. You don't have to watch the other to know what's happening in, in the present. Um, I don't know. It's quotable. Does that does that yeah. count? Again. <laughs> Pivot. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Pivot. We were on a break. I get we seven points. Okay. So good job. Good job. I thought she did a remarkable job with yes. that totally non-plugged in approved answer. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? You are. You are. In faux pas. Okay. Uh, all right, Adam. The opinions expressed in this game do not necessarily. No. <laughs> do not reflect. Adam, it's your turn. I'm ready. All right, you can travel back in time to pick one band's concert to experience oh. at the peak of their fame. Who do you pick and why? Oh, I think I would have to go back and see Queen in mm. the late 70s, early 80s. Again, sort of like Friends, Queen, lots of problems, but Freddie Mercury was incredible. Brian May was incredible. The things that they did were groundbreaking. Um, I mean, even the Live Aid concert in 1985, mm-hmm. the Queen performance there right before Freddie Mercury died was amazing, and I missed them. I wish that I could have seen them back in the day yeah, with Freddie. Awesome. Nice. There you go. I got five points. Yeah, Emily All right. dominated. Good that job. That was yeah. so well thought out. Yes. And she so crushed it like it. a tiny bug. Yay, yeah. Emily. I very rarely win this, so I'm going to take oh, it. She's Yay, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys, for playing this game. And thank you for joining our conversations today. If you're listening, whether you're in your car, maybe you are going for a walk or exercising, however you listen to The Plugged In Show, we love bringing you into the topics that we talk about. As always, we hope that what we've had to talk about with regard to Mean Girls, with regard to Echo, has equipped and challenged and encouraged you in some way as you think about your entertainment and technology choices and also your families. Even in our our first conversation today, I kept thinking about my daughters, and we hope that you're thinking about your children too and and how the entertainment-related ideas that we kick around may impact your family. We would love to hear what you thought about our conversation today. And here's the question that I have for you that we want to hear from you on. How do you think bullying today is the same or different as when you were growing up? And maybe if you're not grown up yet, you can just tell us your experience today. And you can let us know what you think by sending us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com or visit our website there and you'll find a little black tab where you can leave us a voicemail. And we may even use your voice on a future episode and we would love to do that. So those are a couple of ways that you can get in touch with us or just look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us today at The Plugged In Show. We know that you have all kinds of ways that you could spend your time We love having you at the table for these conversations, and we look forward to joining you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. 
Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com slash radio. 